Hey crew, I'm Cam Explains, and this is Run the Block, the first show that's bringing together coaches, podcasters, and local business owners to innovate and collaborate because I think there's crazy crossover that no one is talking about between these three amazing groups from lessons learned to finding untapped and potential new revenue stream. Our goal is to help you get more subs, customers, clients, and more using the perfect formula of know-how, storytelling, and kindness. So you too can easily create content that converts, add more cash to the bank, lift up your community, and ignite your biz without being stuck in no man's land ever again. Welcome, welcome, welcome one and all to Run the Block, powered by the Live Rich Project. I'm joined today by none other than JT, owner, founder, contributor to Longevity Lab. JT, how's it going, my man? It's going good, man. I'm just happy to be here with you. Chopping I was, it up. Absolutely. I was uh, super stoked to catch up because we see each other a lot throughout the week. We have some chit chats, um, but you know, not really able whatever to shoot the shit, if you will, and actually see in depth what, what you're kind of up to. So you did a presentation a few weeks ago that I really want to dive into because I thought it was a super cool topic for a lot of coaches in this space. Uh, but before we get there, would you give everybody just a little glimpse into kind of your backgrounds, uh, who you are and, and who you work with? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So as you said, my name is JT Bugis. I own Longevity Lab, which is a strength and nutrition coaching company. I'm operating online right now. And I've been coaching for seven years now. I got into it because I used to be fat and I decided I wanted to get fit and ended up losing 75 pounds over a year and a half and uh, did it all for the vanity. I was like, I want to be hot. I want to make all my ex-girlfriends jealous. And uh, I don't know if it worked. I'd guess that it probably did because I'm a lot cuter now, but uh, I never asked any of them directly. So I don't know. Uh, but what actually happened is, you know, I lost the weight. I got what I wanted and I realized it was about a whole lot more than that. Um, and the journey kind of just changed me. Not kind of. It totally changed me as a person. Work ethic, discipline, motivation, self-confidence, everything. And that's what made me want to become a coach was to help other people experience that same thing, to get the the vanity that we want, because that is an important piece of the puzzle, but to get everything else, because that's even more important for our lives and for our human potential. And so that's my goal, is to help people reach their, their human potential. And um, I do that by working with nurses. Uh, the impact I want to have is to help them reach their personal potential, help them get through the challenges uh, that healthcare throws at them um, and tries to smash them with. And if we can do that, if we can get nurses super healthy, they can provide even better patient care. We can all improve healthcare on the whole. Yeah. When they, whenever they do like surveys uh, of like best, worst jobs, like who do you trust most in industries? Who do you trust least? Uh, you know, the least is always usually a used car salesman. Mm -hmm. And the most, for whatever reason, is nurses. I don't know why, because they're the middleman between them and the doctor. I, I don't know, or maybe they just have the most contact with with the patient. But they're always top one, two of the most trusted um, when it comes to uh, actually contact with with a client or or providing a service. So if we can get them healthy, keep them healthy and happy, I'm all I'm all for that. Hell yeah, yeah. And I think you're right on on both of those things. I think I think probably the biggest thing is just they're genuine, like. Every nurse, damn near every nurse, at least, if not literally all of them, they got into it because they want to help people. Like that was it. And 
And so it attracted them to nursing. So they have this genuine empathy for person, usually to their own detriment. Like that is the hardest part is that they're always putting other people first. And but that's the type of personality that leads them into nursing. And so I think it's just the genuine care for other people. You know, people feel that. And and so I'd imagine that that's a big reason why they get rated so highly there as well. You know, I always feel uh, whenever I see a nurse, whether it's for me or just, you know, conversation passing, I have friends, maybe that maybe that's why I'm biased, but I always feel like they have a look of like, this is some bullshit on their face, right? Is <laughs> <Just> like, <laughs> this some bullshit, whether it's about their shift or whether it's about why you're here or the amount of time you've been there, right? Because they got to deal with all that stuff. Oh, <laughs> just feel like that's their constant face. Oh, yeah, because they've seen it all, dude. Like they know, they know if you're trying to... Uh trying to run a little game on them or, or whatever. Like they've been through the trenches. So yeah, they can see through the bullshit for, for damn sure. And so, uh, you mentioned that, you know, you went through your own journey, but then you took that leap into coaching. So why was it so important for you then to go into coaching? Was it to, to give back to help others or was it just, you found it fascinating learning like nutrition and strength training? What, what was that like decision factor to go ahead and start coaching people? Cause I'm guessing that, probably wasn't your background. You're probably doing something else. No, um, it was not my background. I was working in insurance at the time. Uh, super exciting. Uh, I've I'd worked in like home auto and dental insurance. And so it was a combination of, of what you just said, where, you know, I experienced what getting healthy and fit could do for me and do for my life. And I did want to bring that to other people. I wanted to help other people experience exactly what I did. Like, Again, I was able to reach those those vanity metrics that I wanted, but you know, it was way way bigger than that. Like at the time I just you know, my physical self being heavier was really just a manifestation, I think, of how I felt about me and the potential that I was living up to just in in life in general. And you know, getting starting to work out and starting to eat healthy just it changed all that and it made me want more. And so, you know, I, again, I wanted to help people to reach their own potential, whatever that is, whatever they decide that that is for themselves. Um, but then, yeah, like the learning aspects, like, and dude, I was a good student in school, but just cause I was sharp enough to get by without trying too hard. And if I'd busted my ass, I would have done a whole lot, whole lot better. Um, but I just, nothing ever really grabbed me and learning about, you know, exercise science and nutrition and all this stuff was the first thing that like, I just can't stop. Like I want to learn about, it. I want to pick up books. And now like I've got so many books that my wife scowls at me every time I get an Amazon package, that's a new book. And, but it's because I just, I love the learning. Like I love the topic. And so it was the combination of that. Like not only was it just the first thing that really sunk its claws into me and hooked me from an, I, I want to learn more about this perspective, but also you had the the impact that I could bring to other people, man, like I felt it myself. And so it would just be fucking rude of me to not bring that to other people and show them like what's possible through, through taking care of your physical body. And you just gave back to the community with an epic presentation that we alluded to, to start this off. And I thought it was an interesting topic because normally when you say, you know, train your clients like athletes, everyone goes, <gasps> Right. Cause everyone's thinking like plyometrics, or at least I do, right? Mm -hmm. Plyometrics, box jumps, like heavy squats, banded runs, right? That, like that's mm -hmm. where you go into that. Um, but your presentation wasn't exactly that. It was, it was a little, a little different. Um, and I thought you did a beautiful job breaking that down. So why 
if any coach is listening, why should they try to train their clients like athletes versus the standard, you know, bodybuilding principles uh, or boot camp classes? Yeah. Yeah, dude. So what it really comes down to for me um, and, and the biggest reason that I put behind that is longevity. So when you're talking to a client for the first time uh, as, a, as a coach, you're, you're always going through their goals and you're trying to structure the program towards what they want to accomplish. And people have a lot of different goals. They may want to lose weight. They may want to build muscle. They may want to hit performance metrics. Maybe they just want to look good on the beach. Maybe they just want to be a person who says that they work out because that sounds cool and that's totally okay too. Like that's a valid reason to work out as well. But people have all different kinds of goals that they want to accomplish with their exercise. But what I've found as a coach through working with hundreds of people is that no matter if they want to lose weight or build muscle or whatever that main uh, more surface level goal is, there is always something deeper. And that something is always they want to live a quality life for a long time. People want to be around for their families. They want to be around for their kids. They want to be healthy to be active with their kids. Hopefully we can also do it with our grandkids, maybe our great grandkids. But we want that quality of life for a long time. And that quality is super important. Like we don't want it to be laying around like a sack of potatoes at the end of our life. And so no, again, no matter what the surface level goal is, that longevity goal is underneath guaranteed for every single one of our clients, hundred percent. And so when it comes to training, like an athlete, what I learned going through the, the CSCS, the certified strength and conditioning specialist certification that typically leads you to working with athletes is like, oh shit, this stuff is super important for just everybody in order to get better longevity. And, and the reason behind that, or at least I think the primary reason is once we hit age 65, our greatest risk is falling and breaking our hip. I heard, uh, I heard Peter Atia talk about this on a podcast. Um, and he's long been into this type of training as well, but he gave a stat, I think it was on Huberman, Huberman lab. And he said 15 to 30% of people over the age of 65 who fall and break their hip die. It is a death sentence to fall and break your hip at that age. Well, let's ask ourselves, what do you need in order to not fall? You need balance, you need strength, and you need power. You need power. Power is the ability to move fast and move strong. If you're going to catch yourself from falling, you better be fast and strong, like guaranteed. That is the only way. And so we need to train people with power. Well, that's what athletes do. They develop power. They are the bigger, stronger, faster people. And so we need to steal athletes programs or the way we should be training athletes or the proper way to train athletes. We need to steal that. And we need to adapt it to the normal person because a lot of those principles can remain the same. Some of those movements can remain the same. Like you mentioned box jumps, there's, there's probably going to be some box jumps in your programming if you're doing it right, but it's got to be again, adapted to the individual, but then you create bigger, stronger, faster people who are going to live longer and live a high quality of life for longer where they can be mobile and independent and not have to worry about things like falling, breaking their hip and then dying because they took a spill. Like we gotta, we gotta live a long time for that quality of life is really what it comes down to, I think. And I think that's the biggest, uh, the biggest thing that I can point to, uh, that shows that, yeah, this is for everyone. This is not just for athletes. This is for literally everyone. 
I used to have a client, uh, his name was uh, Harold. Shout out to Harold. I know he'll never listen to this. Uh, he was 65, <laughs> though, and he loved, he loved being trained like an athlete. No lie. Uh, he didn't always like it during the time, but afterwards, and he was dripping with sweat, he'd just be like, this is awesome. But you're right. He, you know, he didn't really understand at the time, but this goes back to being a coach and educating your clients. I was just like, hey, this is the things we need to protect against. Like, it's okay, like love that you, you know, love to jog and you can still do those things. Uh, but we also need to work on some things that probably aren't going to be so fun with you. And we would do, we would, I would usually like set up a couple cones, right? And I would make them different collars. And so I would call out the collar and he would have to almost like side shuffle, like in basketball, touch yeah. the cone and come back. And sometimes I'd throw a tennis ball as well, working on those like proprioceptions, right? Because of that, because of exactly what you're saying, that as we age, things happen, right? Whether it's, fall and break a hip or knee surgery. Like my mom just went through knee surgery replacement and like she's down. She's been down for a week going through physical therapy. She's in lots of pain. You know, she's 63 though. So like that can be really devastating for somebody at, at that age. And we don't want that to be. So even if it is something where, well, you know, they're in their sixties and they need surgery, right? Maybe they didn't fall and break something, but maybe they need a replacement surgery. The better off that they are going into that statistics show the better off the recovery, the quicker they can recover and the quicker they can get back to things as well as, you know, if you have a little more muscle mass or a little more in shape, you know, you deteriorate a little less slowly, right? Versus not being in shape and then going down for six weeks and then trying to come back. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, I mean, that hits the nail on the head because that's the hardest part. It's just, it's the recovery from those things that really puts people out. Not, not necessarily the acute accident itself. Like, of course that's a problem, but it's coming back from that and having the strength to come back from that. Um, that's really the biggest issue um, as we get older. And so, yeah, it really just, <clears throat> it comes down to just that quality of life and that independence. Like I tell my wife all the time and I have repeatedly told her this to the point where I'm like, you need to know that I'm serious about this. And when the time comes, like I need you to have the strength to do this. But I'm like, when I can't like wipe my ass anymore, I'm like, you're putting a pillow over my face in the middle of the night and snuffing me out. Like, that's it for me. Like, if I can't do that basic <laughs> thing myself, like, I'm done, man. Like, you know me, I post my daily pour over every single morning. Like, when I'm old and I got more time on my hands, like, if I can't go to the coffee shop on my own and like, you know, even if I can't drive there, at least like get in the Uber by myself, hop out, like go enjoy the cup of coffee, not need like, a walker, a wheelchair. Like if I can't do that stuff, dude, I'm going to be miserable. And so that's why I train like an athlete, man. Like I want to, I want to keep those qualities, that strength, that power, that muscle mass for as long as damn possible so that I can live my life on my terms. Absolutely. How, how many, and again, I know this is very individualized for you and for everybody else. Uh, but if you have a new client coming to you, uh, on average, do you just do the, you know, three to five days per week when it comes to that? Um, do you, as people age, do you suggest that they pull back on the days per week or is it all highly specific to, you know, basic principles of, you know, time, frequency, uh, training length and, uh, oh my God, I'm, I'm blanking, uh, not train length, but, uh, like training age, training age. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think that all of that does, does play into it, but like very, very broadly speaking, anywhere from two to four times a week is, is great, you know? Two is better than one. Three is probably better than two. Like ideally, if I could choose four people, I'd say three to four times per week of strength training. So call it three to four hours per week of strength training. But, 
you know, especially if you're just starting out, like a little goes such a long way, especially if you if you are a little bit older um, and haven't done any or a lot of strength training, like, yeah, one to two times a week just to get started and build from there is phenomenal. Like you got to get your body used to handling the stress. Um, but ultimately, yeah, I think ideally you're probably going to fall three to four days per week, um, which again, like you, you really don't need more than hour long workouts. So it should be about three to four hours per week. Um, it's going to be perfect. And then that, that gives you the opportunity to get enough volume in, like get enough work in and get enough frequency in where we're stimulating the muscle groups, uh, often enough to see optimal results. And with that, are you typically doing full body? Cause we mentioned maybe some plyometrics, maybe some proprioception, those types of things. Are these typical like full body pull, full body push, or are you still segmenting muscle groups out and then just adding some, something else like plyometrics or, um, you know, something like stability exercises? Yeah, I'll do it a couple different ways. So, so the three day week, I actually like doing lower upper full, um, because it can, I feel like it can get more. Uh, comfortably get more volume in by having that lower upper day, but then the full body day is where that we can get that second bout of frequency to hit the muscle groups a second time that week, which I think is really, really important. Um, four times a week, I'm usually doing lower upper splits. Um, three days a week though, you can do all full body. Like those are spread out enough that I think absolutely you can, you can do that. Um, and then, you know, we went into this in, in the presentation. So anybody who's, who's interested in really, really diving in, hit up cam, um, ask them about that because I know we've got it recorded in the, in the community. Um, you stole my plug, really, man. I was going to plug that at the end and everything. And now <sighs> that was a plug for me, bro. Not even for you. All right. The presentation was dope. I'm biased, but it was dope. <laughs> I had fun with it. I had a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, it's really just, it's starting with strength and power. So we touched on, we touched on this in the, in the presentation. So again, if you want to, if you want to get into the nuts and bolts of programming, go talk to Cam, but, um, basically you're going to start with strength and power, um, very first in your workout. So if that's a lower body day, then maybe you're doing squats and box jumps. If it's an upper body day, maybe you're doing a bench press and a med ball chest slam and pairing those movements together to get your strength and power. And then often there's a little bit more hypertrophy for the remainder of the workout, because that is most people's goal, right? It's they want to have, have muscles get lean, all that good stuff. And, and, you know, hypertrophy is going to help with that. But, you know, as we talked about, uh, in the community for most, for many trainers, they'd probably, if you're going to have an argument against what I'm saying, it's probably gonna be something along the lines of, Hey man, my clients just want big muscles and to be lean and look good on the beach. Cool. Like, I love that. And everybody does want that. And also I guarantee you, they also want to live a long time for a high quality of life. So let's not forget that one, but it's like, what does strength and power do? It helps you recruit your nervous system better. That is part of strength and power training. It helps you recruit more muscle fibers. And so you're getting more type one and type two fibers recruiting together. And there's a skill aspect to it as well. Guess what? All of those things are going to help you grow more muscle too. All those things are very important for hypertrophy. So if you want your clients to have the biggest muscles and be lean and look great on the beach, if you're not going to train them for strength and power, then you have to be okay accepting the fact that you're leaving gains on the table. That's just a fact. And so I know you said that, uh, recently you've changed your stance on cardio. So we've been talking about some, yes. some of the norms, right? Hypertrophy, strength, power, but what's your stance on cardio now and why has it changed? Yeah. So I don't think this was necessarily the wrong way to think about it, the way that I thought about it before, which was you don't really need any structured cardio. 
if you're hitting your steps, you're getting your strength training workouts in, you're doing phenomenal. And I still do, generally speaking, believe that to be true. Like, especially if it's a, if it's a time issue for people where like you're pushing the limits of your time because you're a mom, you've got three kids at home. You're also working full time. Like you've got all the things going on. It's hard to add 20 minutes, four times a week of cardio, maybe more like that's difficult. So, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to make people feel bad, but being like, if you're not getting that cardio in, but you are hitting your steps and your strength and guess what? You suck. Um, cause that's not true. And you get tons of cardiovascular benefits from strength training as well. But that was basically my previous stance was like, get your steps, get a lot of movement, eight to 10,000 or more steps, get your three to four days of strength training in. You do that, like no cardio necessary. And again, not the right thinking, but I don't think it's wrong thinking either. But what I think would be most optimal for people who can do it is to throw in some cardio. And so there's really, there's, there's one type of cardio right now, that zone two cardio that's getting really, really popular. Um, and I actually, I'll credit Jordan Syatt for this because he's the, he's the original person, at least for me, that, uh, that really started talking about it frequently and the benefits of it. But zone two cardio is, is low intensity cardio. It's high intensity enough to get your heart rate up pretty good, but low intensity enough that you can still hold a conversation with somebody while you're doing it. Um, and that's a good way to judge if you're in zone two It's the talk test. Um, can you still just hold a conversation with somebody? Um, and so it is low intensity. You should feel like you could do it forever. Um, but your heart rate's up like you're working, make no, make no mistake. And what this does is it obviously has cardiovascular benefits, hence the cardio. And we all want good heart health. Like that's super important. The heart is a muscle too. Um, but what I noticed for myself, the biggest impact that I actually felt with it was within my strength training workouts. I felt like I had a better gas tank and I felt like I recovered better in between sets. So my heart rate was going down faster in between sets, which meant I could do more work in a smaller amount of time. So I could get more out of my strength training. And so I think there's a huge value to that. And I think there's a huge value of every once in a while, just touching max heart rate. And so I think people nowadays with your, your orange theories, your F45s, all your high intensity classes and things like that, they, they go, they go ham too hard too often, but once a week, like ruin your fucking life, like destroy yourself, get out, get out on a assault bike, one of those fan bikes, like that thing should make you like see God and just do that once a week and just touch maximum heart rate and then be done. Like, and there's huge value to just pushing yourself to that limit very, very infrequently, like once a week isn't often, um, no more than that because it's truly unnecessary. But I think both of those forms of cardio, if we can work in a handful of days per week of doing that too, then again, we're just talking about optimal longevity here. Like that's going to be optimal for heart health. Cardiovascular disease is what the greatest killer, uh, in society right now. So can't really go wrong with, with throwing some extra cardio in and, and yeah, before I would, uh, I would not have said that. Yeah, I know Huberman's really big on talking about uh, zone two, right? And I think he always pushes like three days a week with I think two to three days of that that zone two cardio. And Stan Efferdine for years has been trying to get people to take the 10 minute walk after they eat, but he's really stern on the, your heart rate's got to be up if you're trying to push that glucose into the, the muscle, which is, you know, he says probably above 110. Granted, that's very, you know, dependent upon who you are, training age, your, your walking abilities. Um, but I know he's, he's been pushing that for a long time. Hey, you got to get that heart rate up even on a walk. So it sounds, it sounds like this is coming all, all together now and people are really starting to understand that like casual walks are great probably to, 
think things through, maybe just get away for a little bit. But if you're actually doing it for the intended purposes of heart health, it may need to to be up a little bit on that heart rate versus just, you know, going and walking and staring at trees, which is what I do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's mostly what I do too, to be honest. Uh, you know, I get out for those hour long walks with the dogs. And so it is, it is more just me time that, and that daily movement is not to be, uh, underrated in any sense. Like that's one of the greatest ways that we can maintain weight loss and maintain fitness is just by moving a lot throughout the day. Um, but yeah, whereas before I would have said, don't worry about any structured cardio. Now I'd say, Hey, like if we can find some, some way to work this into your schedule, like you're going to see a lot of benefit. Let's do it. Do you think the combination of these things is why people stay with you? Uh, I, I know you have a really good retention rate when it comes to, when it comes to clients. Uh, is that just because you're an Epic coach? Do you pay the people to be with you? Like, are, are, are you paying them versus them paying you? Um, or, or, or is it, you know, something else that you just find that your clients get out of your services? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, cause yeah, my retention has, has honestly always been phenomenal. And, you know, even, even when I was a newer trainer and I really didn't know shit about shit. And so, yes, now I would say that there's, you know, a little bit of, a little bit of magic in the programming, but let's also be very honest here. Like, even if I think I'm the world's greatest programmer and protocol put together, or I don't know how you would actually say that, but if I just, you know, nutrition protocols and workout programming, I could be the best in the world at that, but go to where we're going to touch on AI in this. I think a little bit too, uh, go to chat GPT and ask it to make you a workout template and a meal plan. Guess what? It's not bad. It's not great. It's not going to be the best of the best. It's not what you're going to get from an actual good coach. But if somebody who is doing nothing goes to chat GPT and says, give me a workout, give me a meal plan, and I'm going to actually do it. They'll give results. Like it's good enough. Trust. Like I've seen it. I've looked at it. And again, it's not the best. I'll do you better. I promise you that. But you will get results from it if you do it. And so that if you do it is the real part. And I think that's really where I come in is working with people. Like I've had people tell me that I'm just a chameleon, which is kind of what you have to be as a coach, because you're working with so many different people with so many different personalities and you got to figure out what makes this person tick and what's going to help them actually make the changes that they need to make. Because again, I'll write you the world's best program and nutrition protocol, but if you don't do it, sorry, it ain't going to work. And so it's getting people to do it and the connecting with them as a human and, and being able to balance like both friend and coach, because that's, that's a tough balance. Cause you go, you go too far to one side and, and the relationship isn't going to be as great as it possibly could be for either of you, both coach and client. But if you strike that balance, then you can really, really help guide someone and change their lives. And that's more to do with helping the person to see how they can move forward and implement new things into their lives and do it successfully than it is, uh, how good of a program that it is. Is that something that you actively educate yourself on? Cause I know you mentioned that, you know, you're a lifelong learner, you love education. Do you actually like dive into mindset and psychology as well? Or does that just come naturally? I think parts of it did come naturally, um, which is why I was pretty good at it right away. Um, but I think that was more so my ability to, uh, of my personality to just adapt to people and, and make good friends with a wide variety of people. And, and then I think I had to, I did have to acquire the skill of the coaching psychology of helping people to learn 
how to make changes in a way that works best for them. And so that definitely was uh, a skill acquired. And yeah, um, that really came from books. I think motivational interviewing was the first one that I read that blew that open. And it's something that I've been diving into more and more recently too, because, you know, as I transitioned from in-person to online, it's a whole different ballgame. Like, I think, I think that's one thing that, that coaches don't realize because I didn't realize it was in person and you're delivering workouts. It's a totally different service than online. Like, and I do think you need to, maybe not need to, I do think it's wise to start in person and get those in-person reps before moving online. That's such a valuable, valuable foundation for any coach um, to be able to work with people directly, especially when it comes to the exercise portion and movements and getting form down. Like, go do that. If you're if you're thinking about coaching or you are a coach and you're newer and you haven't done that, go do it. Like, you have to. Um, but yeah, it's just a different ballgame. Like, when people come to you in person, they expect you to put them through a workout. And so it's all based on the physical. Well, online, they're going to do their workouts on their own. And you give them the plan, but they're doing it on their own. And so when you touch base with them, it's all about the psychology, about the nutrition, about the lifestyle, and all that stuff. And so it is truly a different ballgame. And as I transitioned to online, I realized that. And I was like, I'm good at this now, but I need to gr- be great at this. I need to be phenomenal at this. And so that's when I dove into motivational interviewing, which again, I think is the most impactful book uh, that I, I read um, on that topic. Um, I have another book called The Coaching Habit sitting right here on my desk. Um, I think it goes over, I want to say seven questions. So the title is Say Less, Ask More, and Change the Way You Lead Forever. So, so it goes over seven questions that you can use during coaching sessions. Um, and then I more recently finished a, uh, course from Dr. Lisa Lewis called psych skills for fit pros. I saw her speak at the raise the bar event here in Dallas. Uh, what was that February? And she was phenomenal. And, and the course itself was phenomenal too. pulled a lot, um, of, motivational interviewing techniques into it as well, but really, really built on that. Cause she's a, I may get this wrong in terms of her credentials, but I believe she's a licensed psychologist. Like she actually works with people in therapy settings. And so she brought that into like, how can fit pros use this to help, help guide their clients. And that was phenomenal, phenomenal course. Like I said, I've gone through it once already and I'm immediately going through it again. Uh, Yeah. I'm gonna have to check that out. I do want to give you a shout out because we did a coaches round table not too long ago either. Uh, all about check-ins and processes, um, how to approach clients, how to fire clients. Uh, and I loved loved your breakdown. So uh, if you're listening to this, you're in the coaches community, make sure you go to uh, the coaches round table we just did. Uh, shameless plug there. Um, but it was, it was really, really good. Um, I, I know also uh, you're in the coaches community. Um, so this was not like, you know, a, a case study or anything like that, trying to get, get people to, uh, to sign up. But uh, one of the processes that's been amazing to watch is your evolution of copy. Um, cause you're, you're already decent. Uh, but the, the thing I always laugh at is like, you used to get really pissed off. Like when I would leave comments <laughs> and not like in a, a, you know, F him type way, it was just, you know, you're like, damn it, I'm going to show him <laughs> and, and dude, yeah. now your copy's so good. Your, your reels, your videos, your presence on camera is so good. And even, even our interview and interaction here uh, is just, you can tell, like, you know your shit. Um, what what has been the change for you as far as, like, writing copy? Is it just practice? Is it, uh, you know, education? 
Well, what's, what's been that change? Cause that's hard for so many coaches, not only to try and learn copy, but then to try and learn video, right? Reels. And usually it's just one or the other. Most of the time they're not going to do both. And yet you've been able to do both and to get really good at both. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Um, cause it has, it has been a, a journey for sure. And it's been, it's been both the practice and, and the learning. Um, and I think, I think probably the reps play the biggest part, but, uh, using those reps to apply what I've learned. You know, you gave me a couple book recommendations um, that I've dove into. Um, Andrew Coates, I messaged him on Instagram. He gave me some writing recommendations as well. But honestly, each book, I've probably read three or four um, writing slash copywriting books um, just recently. And it's like, maybe I'm pulling one or two things from those where I'm like, all right, cool. Like, I got to try this. I got to use this right away and see how it works. It's not trying to implement every single little thing right away um, as much as it is find the couple golden golden nuggets and use those right away because that was always something that was an issue for me just as a human was the application um it was rarely a lack of knowledge or information it's a lack of the doing and so that's really what i focused on and so um you know one of the books i read i think copywriting secrets you recommended that one that one was really good how to write copy that sells um was really good on writing well by william zinzer just a great just writing in general book but it absolutely took the reps and uh of just doing it over and over again and the community helped with that first a lot because you guys broke down what it should look like over the course of a week and and we used uh that formula to to come up with a week's worth of content that flowed really, really well together. Um, and I liked that at first because I batched all my content um, and did it on Sundays. We always had our, our get shit done sessions on Sundays and just crushed some content and I was ready for the whole week. Um, but now actually I do it daily because I like the ritual of writing every single day um, and working on the craft every single day, which is something I didn't like before and do like now because I'm doing it a little bit differently. Um, and so I actually do write daily now, um, for my copy and, and really, you know, I think it comes down to, you gotta learn how to write headlines. Like, I mean, everybody says it, but it's most people still aren't good at it. Myself included. It should take you the longest to write your 10 word headline, give or take, or whatever it is versus like the entire rest of your post, because that's how important it is. Cause if people don't read past the headline, Cool. Like you could have the greatest shit in the world after that headline, but it don't matter. And so get your headlines in order, learn how to write them, learn how to make them engaging, learn how to touch on emotions and pain points within your headlines, learn how to leave a little bit of mystery, uh, which is something I had to, to pick up from you a little bit as you're like, dude, you ask a question and then you tell me in the next sentence, like, stop doing that. Like you got to <laughs> save it. Like you, you, you added the mystery, but then you solved it right away. Like nobody is going to read past line two now, which great. You got them to read an extra line. Congratulations. Um, yeah. You'd always make this like awesome post, but then like your, your intro headline would be the question. I'm like, yes. And then you tell me right away. And then all this other stuff after I'm like, why would I even read that? You just told me. <laughs> yeah. So, so write the good headline and then don't give it away right away. Don't do what I did, um, but learn how to write good headlines and then learn how to write to, you know, what, what challenges people are facing and then give them something, give them something to help. Do not write a post that does not have 
one thing that somebody can walk away from and be like, I can do this for myself to help me with this problem. Like you need to give everything because again, information isn't the problem. You may teach some people some new things, which is amazing. And there's a lot of things that we as health and health and fitness professionals know that the average Joe does not. And that's fantastic. But Google knows everything that you and I know. Every single fucking thing. The, the information is not the problem. Application is. So give away all your secrets, everything that you're holding on to so closely that can help people because it doesn't matter if they have all the information. They still need you for the application. Almost every single person in this world needs somebody for the application. Some people don't. They're the rarity. Um, so give it to them. Give them the answer. You've already called out the problem. You've sucked them in with the headline. Give them something they can go do. And when they go do it and it works, then guess who looks awesome? It's you. So write a, write a bomb headline, hone in on a pain point, and solve that pain point for people. I mean, I think that's probably the simplest way, simplest structure that you can put a pretty solid copy together really quickly. You're so right, man. Uh, first and foremost, headlines are the biggest thing, and that doesn't mean it has to be a landing page, a anything, right? Because you're always selling the next step, whether that's the next line people read, whether that's the next commitment they need to do, right? Moving from chat to book a call or a post to chat or post to group to video to a comment to chat to call, right? Whatever that is, you're always selling the next step. And so, yeah, you could write seven pages of something, but if nobody gets past the headlines, it's not um, captivating, then you're done. And uh, the statistic I always heard was 80%. So 80% of your sell comes from the headline. And again, sell doesn't mean you've collected cash. Sell just means you've sold them on the next thing. That could be checking out the video. That could be, uh, again, click here to do this. That could be book call. So if your headline sucks, then then you're done. And that Good all luck. depends on your you know source of traffic. Is it cold, warm, hot? So... While we're not getting into a copywriting masterclass, you're 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 so right on that, man. And it's it's just something that should take you the most time. If you go back and read any of the greats like Ogilvy, um, Hopkins, you know they always talk about the amount of time. And again, this is pre-internet, so the amount of time they would spend writing and writing and writing headlines and then testing and then sending out back then uh, things in the mail, right, or magazine ads or newspaper ads, and then they have to wait for six months and then get the results back and then try new headlines. Uh, the great thing is we have social media. So that's why we talk about the repurposing right game a lot, right? Content uh, never changes, the context changes. Summer versus fall versus spring. So while well, I get off my, my soapbox here, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I did want to- It's important, you know? And like you said, the repurposing is huge too, because that's, that's essentially what I do with my reels is I write the copy first and then I figure out ways to distribute it in other ways. Cause the reel is going to be different. Like if I just read my copy, that'd be a boring ass reel. And so it needs to change. Um, but also with the way that social media works, you don't have to write something new every day for the rest of your life. Find out what works, find out what people want to know about and what hits home for them and keep saying it over and over and over again and say it's slightly different and maybe give them a different tip or whatever it is. But number one, it, the first time you say something is not just all of a sudden going to be a home run for somebody else where it's going to sink into the deepest level of their brain. And number two, 10 to 20% of people, if you are lucky, will see your post. What about the other 80 to 90%? Probably more than that with the way these algorithms work. 
they're not going to see it. Most people aren't going to see it. So say it again, because then maybe they'll see it the next time. So yeah, say the same stuff over and over and over again. Say it differently. Keep keep working on the craft of copywriting. But that gives you the opportunity to rewrite as well, which I think is just as valuable. Yeah, people always think that they're bugging somebody, right? Or, oh, these people are going to see this again. It's like, to your point, they probably didn't see it the first time. And one of the uh, most famous sayings when it comes to like, if you're making a presentation is uh, tell them what you're going to tell them, tell them, and then tell them what you told them. So if that is a basic framework for a presentation where you're sitting with somebody for an hour, what do you think you should do for weekly content? Well, (laughs) probably just keep repeating yourself until they either unfollow you, which is totally fine. We actually want that unsubscribes, unfollows, or they're at least be like, okay, I've heard you talk about this six times. Tell me more because... I just, I either don't understand or I'd love to love to actually know what it is that you do. Yeah. Yeah. If you say it enough times, eventually people are going to be interested. If you're all over the place, then maybe something will hit home for them. But if you're talking about four things all the time, eventually somebody's going to be like, there's got to be something to this four things. JT, uh, this has been a blast, my man. I appreciate catching up with you. Um, if people want to follow along or even check out, you know, some of your reels or possibly even, you know, inquire about coaching, where should they go? How do they get in touch with you? I know, I believe you have a circle group as well for your your members, if if that's correct. Uh, where can people get in touch with you and and how can they they join or find out more? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I always enjoy our conversations. Um Instagram, I'm on there, Coach JT Bugus. Um, so Coach JT B U G O S. Um, if you're a Facebook person, you can find me on there. It's just my name, JT B U G O S. Um, and then website for Longevity Lab is longevitylab.fitness, where you can learn more about me, services I offer. Um, more about the methodology of the fitness method because we've customized all this training like an athlete, eating like an athlete, all that good stuff into, you know, cohesive system for nurses. JT, thank you so much, crew. Thanks for listening along and we will see you next time on Run the Block, powered by the LiveRidge Project. Thanks for earning experience points with us today on Run the Block, part of the Cam Explains Immersion Channel. If you actually want to work with me or my team at No Clouds Media, connect with me on Instagram at cam.explains. There you'll find even more helpful content tips, growth strategies, our latest downloads, or if nothing else, I can guarantee you'll get a good laugh at myself or our pup Oliver throughout the day. Just hit me up at cam.explains. Bonus, if you are following me on Instagram, you also get first dibs on limited spots for the community we're building inside of our network, where we will have tons of free resources, overtime sessions, networking events, special guests, and much more planned as we grow. So be sure to follow along at cam.explains, and we will see you for your next session of Run the Block to earn even more experience points. Hope this helps, and remember, kindness. Pass it on. Bye for now.